The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. You know, ever since I started complaining, I couldn't guess the hymns. You seem to have making them easier. So thank you very, very much. Uh, it, it, I always guess I'm wrong. So thanks for the last five weeks. I feel much better about myself, at least now. So God is good. I invite your attention this morning to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. We're on the third commandment today. If you're visiting with us, thank you for coming. We're in the midst of a sermon series over the Ten Commandments, which sounds very easy to go over, but actually is probably one of the hardest things I've preached here yet, uh, to be quite honest with you. If you want something to tear you up and really put in the, the front what is not in your life or what should be in your life, this will do it, among many other things. And isn't that what God's Word does? It either comes in conviction or it comes in comfort by God's grace and Holy Spirit. Uh, if you're visiting, we are on page 61 of the Blue Bible. Page 61 of the Blue Bible, if you forgot your Bible, we're in the second book, Exodus chapter 20, that's the big number, and verse 7. And if you're keeping score at home, does anyone do baseball math? I've yet to, Baseball and bowling math, I've never been able to take score with. That's kind of like this is, we went the first commandment, thou shalt help no other gods, right? Second commandment, make no graven image. And then we went to the fourth commandment. Uh, which was the Sabbath day, and now we're back to the third. I think they call that common core math or something like that. If you are, I, I'm done with my educational jokes, but uh, we are on the third commandment, and I hope you were blessed last week by Dr. Johnston. Uh, he said that was one of the hardest sermons he has to prepare in a long time. This is a PhD guy. He said, usually we just come and talk what we want about whatever we want to talk about, but he said, you know, speaking about this has really challenged our family to make Sunday a priority for rest refreshment and recuperation with holiness to the Lord. And friends, I pray that's true for you as well, as you consider what God has for you. Well, you know, many of you have uh, remember stories like this or have seen pictures like this, as Amy will throw up there. Do you all remember anything like this in your child-rearing days, or maybe you're there right now? You know, I remember as new parents, with Simeon especially, seeing rebellion and destruction in our children at the youngest of ages. It, it happens so early. They're so cute, but they, they don't want to submit to your authority, do they? I don't know about your kids. Mine don't, but that's how it goes. And I remember Simeon, if he didn't want to eat his vegetables, he would take the spoon and like throw it across the room. Do you, you remember these stories? And if he didn't like that, he would take the jar and just dump it all over his tray and like play in it. And, and that's cute for a minute, but when you have to clean it up and the Facebook photos are done, yeah, it's not so cute anymore, really. It's not. And so or what about the time when your kids or maybe your grandkids, you, you held their hand and they want to walk, but it's 100 degrees outside. And they want to walk on the asphalt, and they don't have shoes on, and you know it's going to burn them. And what do they do? They, like, convulse, and they're calling 911. This kid's getting murdered over here. You know, it's that bad. You know what? You guys have never had this happen to you. Really? Come on. You are perfect parents. We're moving to your house. But, you know, it's just amazing. It really is how kids at the earliest ages rebel. It really is. We know that as original sin, but even after the, the hospital stay, reality sets in. They don't sleep when you want them to sleep. Imagine that. Some of you still don't sleep when you need to sleep, but that's a whole other sermon. 
My point is that I am not impressing my child by instructing him or her to eat vegetables and not allowing her or him to blister their feet on asphalt, am I? I'm actually looking out for that. They don't see it that way. They see it as it taking away a freedom, and they feel like it's slavery. Why do I have to follow this guy? Why do I not get to eat this stuff? But it's one of those things that you tell them later on, I know you don't want to eat your vegetables. I know you don't want to be carried, but I'm keeping you from things. And by that way, I love you, and I want good for you, so you need to listen to me. You know, that happens about age 21, doesn't it? I, that's what I hear. Parents, grandparents, amen? Or maybe it happens at 15. I don't know for some of you all. It's happened earlier on. But many people believe from the youngest age that rules are instructions given by a God who doesn't want them to live a full life, much like a kid doesn't want to follow the freedoms given to them. And they look at this thing of commandments, and they do a few things. They give us a look into the character of God, these commandments do, but they also show people's hearts for where they are. And this third commandment, does anyone know what the third commandment is offhand? Can you shout it out to me? Don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? That's what we've always had. That's what we've always been told. And it is good for the commandments that they were given. But this commandment today is like that child who doesn't understand why you're doing what you're doing, even if you explain it. Have you ever tried to argue with a toddler? Yes, you have to wear a diaper. Yes, you must wear pants. Yes, put your shirt on. I mean, you guys have been there. It's, it's hard. You never win that argument, and they always get their way, usually, but you win occasionally. But you know what? That's exactly how many people feel about this third commandment. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. So during that, that just means we don't cuss, right? We don't say the Lord's name in vain. But friends, I'm here to tell you that like a parent steering their child and seeing things that they don't see at their young age, God, in his wisdom, has shown us much more than just cussing about this commandment. James chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Above all, brothers, do not swear by heaven or by earth or use any oaths at all. If you mean a yes, you must say yes. If you mean a no, say no. Otherwise, you make yourselves fall or liable into judgment. So many of you are thinking, great news! This commandment is finally here, and this is one I don't break. I don't use the Lord's name in vain. I never say OMG or OG or whatever else is out there. But you may remember the soap in your mouth and the belt on your hind end when you did say those things as a kid. Of course, we can't do that today. That's, that's illegal or something like that. But I hope you'll see today that the definition of the third commandment is potentially predicated on a faulty or shallow definition of what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. And maybe when we get to that definition, you will see that the command and its application for our lives is in a different light. So what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? We'll answer that. Is it more than just a verbal? Or how do we honor God with this? Friends, the big idea, and this is a positive response to this command, the big idea is this is that you will never regret one sacrifice you have done in Jesus' name. Not one. Your only regret will be how much you've held back and how little you have lived for him. That is the positive of this command when we understand what it means. Because we can have past regret. We can have those times that I, I say to myself, I don't show more of Christ's love. But the gospel, and that's why we're gospel-centered in everything we do here, tells us that we have a future hope that I can show more of Christ's love by his grace when I live for him, not in a vain way, but in a gospel, God-glorifying way. So the first commandment is no other gods. The second commandment is don't have any graven images. The fourth commandment, do that special math, was the Sabbath. And the third commandment is don't take the Lord's name in vain. 
And friends, these commandments are still in play. This is the moral law of God. The moral law continues on. These are things we must take to heart. And so here's a promise. If you don't understand these commandments properly, they will not be a gateway to fulfillment for you. They won't be a gateway to joy. But if you do, they will be a gateway to those things. So we'll go three directions and answer three questions this morning. And here they are. The third commandment has this up there. How do we take the Lord's name in vain? That's the first thing we'll look at. Secondly, have we broken this commandment? I think if you've been around church long enough, you know you have to some degree. And the third one is, is can Jesus save us from the guilt of breaking this commandment? You may know the answers to those, but I pray as we look at these that you'll ask God for a fresh spirit to come upon you through his Holy Spirit. We join me standing, if you're able, this morning as we read God's word. We do this in honor of the Lord's word. Uh, We will read chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, up to the place we are here in Exodus. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. And God says this is the ESV, same as the uh, Pew Bibles. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, nor shall you make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And here's the verse we'll focus on. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. May God bless the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. We pray with me as we start off this morning. Father, we too often, spiritually speaking, are like those young children who rail against, who fight against, who throw the spoons, so to speak, across the room, who try and do anything to follow what you say. Father, and how vain that is, because even in our supposed knowledge, we rail against the very knowledge that will set us free. So, Father, forgive us for those times, because even this week, even this morning, we know they are many. Father, we pray as we look at this commandment that it would be glorifying to you. Father, help us to see how encompassing this really is. And, and, and not just in the negative sense, but the positive sense, Lord, of how we can apply it to our lives. Both here, at home, at the workplace, wherever we go, until you call us home. Father, we pray this all for the glory and honor of Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So what does it mean necessarily to break God's name or to to have God's name or use it in vain. That's what we're going to look at first. Well, in short, it means to misrepresent who God is. If you talk about vainness, you talk about someone who doesn't have a lot of uh, moral backbone, someone who is profane and vain, someone who does things out of no good reason just because they can do things out of no good reason. That is vainness. It's almost, like, uh, it's almost like me trying to try out for the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Uh, if you look at my stature, you will well know that I would, not be a, I would run the opposite way, and Alex Smith would get a concussion every play that it happened. That's the way it goes. It means to misrepresent who God is and what he's about. And while I should be representing God's character, who he is, with my speech, my action and my very life, to take his name in vain is to reflect who God is in an inaccurate way. Now, to really get to that definition, you have to understand that misrepresenting God's name is misrepresenting God himself. Taking the Lord's name in vain is misrepresenting who God is because who God is is wrapped up in his name. 
You know, when the Bible speaks of God's name, it isn't talking about a certain formation of words. I mean, I don't speak Russian, but God in Russian sounds different than God in English. I, I, I think that's true. But rather, the Bible speaks of God's name, of being who he is. I mean, think about it. We're in the stage, my wife and I always get to the stage with every kid we've had. What in the world are we going to name our kid? It has to be an S because we have Simeon, Scarlet, and, you know, you've got to keep that S thing up, right? To be like the Nisleys, where, uh, you know, all the Nisley kids, all A's. So what are we going to name this kid? I don't know. We've looked up names, and it's been a couple months, and we kind of gave up. We will make our Hail Mary pass, I'm sure, as we go to the hospital. So that's always how it goes. My name, Darren, means great, which is evident by my tremendously chiseled features and my athletic physique. I know you believe that, right? <laughs> but you never name a child haphazardly. <laughs> but more so, the name of God speaks to his nature in person, speaks to his teaching. The name of God speaks to his saving work. It speaks to his power. And in that sense, it is impossible. It's, it's utterly impossible to disconnect God from his name. So throughout the Bible, you have verses confirming this. Let me just read a list quickly for you. Psalm 113 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isaiah 24, it says, Give glory to the name of the Lord. Ezekiel 39 says, God will vindicate, God will judge those who go against his holy name. Acts chapter 2, and we're so grateful for this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Red, yellow, black, and white, non-muscles, big muscles, Chiefs fans, you throw it out there, God loves them all. And that is a great promise, in his name only. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy what? Thy name. It's very important. From these scriptures, we see that the Israelites got their idea of worshiping God from the name of God. It's very important. From Exodus chapter 19, and we won't go through, you can look back over it. But when they were at Mount Sinai, they realized even touching the border of the mountain where God descended, when he came down and said his names of God would be their death. The name of God is very important. And so the negative part of this command is because it is the holy God's name is why this is the negative part. Notice in verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord, that's a key focus, in vain. Why? There's a causal statement here. For the God, the Lord, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Because, friends, God's name is the most renowned, the most famous, the most glorious name there is out there. Amen? That is our God. And through this commandment, God is telling us not to use his name in a worthless way as to be disconnected from his power, his presence, and his person. Because in doing so, you necessarily reflect who God is. Here's the application point I want to drive home to you from this first point. This is the shortest of our three. Is friend, don't be discouraged today, wondering if it's worth it. It's impossible for you to ever do in God's name anything you ever do in God's name to be in vain. And notice that caveat. I can do a lot of dumb things in my life that are not done for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. But what this is saying, and what the first encouragement is, is there is never a ministry, there's never a prayer, there's never a service done to and in the power of God's name that is in vain. And that should be great encouragement to us as a church. Because in these days that we are living where it's a mess, I don't even have to describe it for you, it's a mess right now across our nation. In these days we are living, as we stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though the moral culture of America, which is law, it's not just this election, it has been going for years, subtly, it's more open than it ever has been, 
as it goes across and goes by the wayside, friends, as we stand for truth and righteousness, we need to be reminded, if we do that with a sincere heart before the Lord on his truth, it is not in vain. You need to know that, parents, as you teach your children, and they buck against everything you say. I'll just give you an example. We sing Jesus Loves Me to Scarlet every night when we go to bed. And there are times when we'll start singing Jesus Loves Me, and as the rebellious two-year-old that we love to pieces, she will say, no, Jesus loved me. No, Jesus loved me. And you know this. And you know it's true. It's like, come on, kid, get this in your head. So we started singing a new song at home. How deep the Father, uh, Gilbert, you know the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. So she's getting it another way. But you know there are times when you look at people even in your home and you think, why are you not getting this? Is this in vain? Why did, if they're not going to get it, Lord, why'd you send them my way? Friends, be faithful. Trust the Lord that if you venture out in his name, and if it's biblical and it's not something that you are just doing for pride and it's for his kingdom and his glory, he will bless it. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Some of you may need to hear that. Some of you may be ready to throw in the towel with ministry here because I just don't see how things are progressing. Friends, be faithful. Be faithful. Those trees that are in your neighborhood didn't start off as an easy illustration, did not start off as a big oak tree or, in my case, poison ivy, which I'm still fighting after two weeks. They started out as a little something, didn't they? And they grew. Friends, that may be what God is calling you to be patient with someone, to live out the name of the Lord. But, you know, it's kind of like state fair food. Is anyone else a big state carnival food fan, you know? Uh, I don't even have to list some of these up here, but, you, you know, fried, uh, uh, man, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, they're saying it up here in the front. Growing up, we, did, we went to the state fair one time in Sedalia. I don't know if you've been lately. I haven't been in years. But uh, we also went to the Clinton County Fair, the fall festival days in small town Plattsburgh. Maybe you've been there. But at the fair, they always had cow patty bingo and bullfrog racing and alligator wrestling. I remember these as a kid. Uh, you guys, you love this stuff, don't you? But I will say some of the fairs has been the food. Never in my life have I ever thought of eating a deep fried candy bar, deep fried bacon, or a deep fried roll of butter. You know, it's like, who comes up with this stuff? I mean, imagine someone, and you know all these people, maybe you are that person like me, who goes to the fair to have that deep fried candy bar in one hand and with an elephant ear in another, whatever that is, and they order a Diet Pepsi. (laughs) Or they order a Diet Coke. And you're just thinking, yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're going for the diet. But what about the funnel cake clogged in your artery that's going to kill you, you know? Come on. And I'm guilty because I eat all these foods. I'll be very honest. You know, cutting out a certain word from your vocabulary, such as not using the Lord's name in vain, is very similar to what people do at State Fair Foods. They may cut out, yeah, I'm gonna, the drink's okay if I go diet. Doesn't that make up for everything else? And neglect all the other ways that we break this commandment. Because the definition is more about misrepresenting God. That's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. Christian, have you misrepresented the name of the Lord this week. And I, don't, I can't define that particularly for you. The Lord knows, the Spirit knows. But what is some way that God has been prodding you? Have you confessed that? Have you sought repentance in His name alone? So let's go through, and I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight subpoints of a point. Amen? God is good. We're going to go through these. They're brief. But how have we broken this commandment, friends? In light of our definition, how are we guilty here? Well, we've seen that to take the Lord's name in vain is to misrepresent him. 
So literally, as Christ followers, as little Christ, as the word means, we need to be very aware of this. And, and please know, we take the name of Christ by misrepresenting him and living out our lives. And let me show you some. And let, let me just say this. I told the men in our prayer group this morning, this really hit me upside the head this week. Friends, you can go through, there's so much you can list here. This is eight, and I think that's a lot. So as you go through this, God may say, what about this in your life? What about this in your life? What about this in your life? Listen to that because God may be leading you that way. Here's the first way we break this commandment, not just verbally. We try to make our name more famous than God's name. Hmm. Even after taking on God's name, we are reluctant to lay down the desire to make our name great. Now, not all of us have social media accounts. I realize many of you do not. This is a very common temptation for many people with social media. I know people, and perhaps I, I think we all have these tendencies. If they post something and they do not see a like or a retweet, or a a favorite, or whatever it is, within a certain matter of minutes, they will think, no one likes me. Sounds bad, doesn't it? It really does. Although it is the name of Christ that should be named among the nations, many times we want our name to ring out into the world. We really do. You know, if I just write this piece, if I just put this quote up, if I just do this, or if I just whatever, 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 then people will all get more friends on Facebook. And if you, look, no one is ever going to have more friends on Facebook than Gilbert and Beery. If you do not know this, Gilbert has like a thousand friend requests. He can't fulfill because he's hit the max of friends you can have on Facebook. I just want you to know that. And Gilbert's not being carnal with this. He's just a popular guy. But you know what? There are some people who do want to make their names more famous. Pastors fall into the struggle all the time. If I can just get that degree, if I can just get that right sermon, if I can just get on the speaking circuit, write that book, then my my life and my ministry will be affirmed. Pastor friend, ministry friend, your life is not more affirmed then than when Christ saved you at the moment he made you his. Friends, we misrepresent who God is by making our name more famous than his. And we inverse the words of John the Baptist, John 3.30, where he says, I must increase, we say, and God must decrease. No, the Bible says he must increase and I must decrease. We break it that way. Friend, are you seeking your glory in your job more than you're seeking to advance God's kingdom? Would you turn down a promotion if it meant standing on God's word more than saying, man, there's another LinkedIn star for me, another resume builder for me, if it meant not taking God's name in vain? Second way that we do this, we swear by God's name when the oath will not be filled. First of all, we use this language very carelessly, don't we? We say, I swear to God. You've heard people say that. As it means nothing at all, we are swearing by a name that can't lie, as Matt read, and a name who can never be broken. But then we break it by not fulfilling the oath. It is broken in the vows of marriage, or it could be as simple as not just falling through in your word. And we're all guilty of this, friends. We are. Even your pastor is guilty of this. Yes, I'll be there. I'll just give you a story. Uh, Lauren, you'll think this funny. I told Terry about this on uh, Thursday night. We had a water meeting here. Uh, I know that sounds exciting. We had a water meeting here at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. My wife can testify to this. Judy was out of town taking a much-needed break with Steve. And uh, I'd forgotten all about this meeting. And praise God for Google calendars because, babe, what was it, 6.15? It went off, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's a water meeting at her church. I'm not sure what that means, but I know I have to be there. And I, in the back of my mind, I just want to say, no, I'm not going to go to this meeting. I, I'm at home with my kids. My wife's pregnant, all this stuff. Let your yes be yes and your no be no is what God slapped me upside my head with. And we got here, and there were like 15 people here, including uh, the Maisel and Lauren's son, Terry, and we got it done. But you see how easy that stuff can creep in, and you can say, no, I'm not going to do it. 
Jesus spoke to his followers. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because the ones who've taken on God's name, and if we lie about it, we break our word and we misrepresent who he is. Friend, maybe the simple fulfilling for you of this commandment in the positive sense is just checking through your calendar and making sure what you said you committed to is something you can really commit to. Many of you struggle with that. I do. We're in ministry. We serve people. We're yes people all the time. It is extremely hard for me to say no sometimes. And I need to be guarded with that, deacons, and you know that too. Yes, yes. I'd rather say no to you and you get that grimace face than to say yes and not fulfill it, right? That is the truth. That's the one way we break it. Here's a third thing. We may, thirdly, associate God's name in vain when we associate it with things that not, ought not to be associated with or shouldn't be associated with. A great example here, if many of you have heard this argument, is the Crusades. 1095, Pope Urban declared that if anyone goes and kills the infidels, that would be Muslims, he said, that you will have eternal life forever in heaven. Friends, that is absolutely blasphemous and not of the Bible whatsoever. But yet for 400 years, Europe was at war with Muslims and still is to some degree, not on necessarily a uh, just war thing, but just because that's the way it's been and we're still tit for tat with one another. Associating God's name and rallying people with it for a cause, maybe associating God's name with something it shouldn't be, and thereby mis- misrepresenting Him. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to shoot for the yard here, okay? The Royals aren't here, but let's hit a home run. How do we do this today? We break this part of the commandment by attaching God's names to certain political parties and ideologies. Friends, God is not a Republican. God is not a Democrat. God is not a Green Party. God is not an Independent. God is not a Constitutionalist. God is God, and that is who He is. I hope you know that. And I say that as one who's really had to think through these issues. And I'm not telling you which way to vote. I can't do that legally or otherwise. That's not my purpose. But as a pastor, I want to remind you of that. God is God. Friends, let's talk about false teachers. If we continually support, whether it be financially, whether it be by buying books, whether it be by watching false teachers that are known to be false, we are perpetrating God's name in vain to the nations, even if it's just us and God by ourselves. You see how hard this hits home, doesn't it? This isn't just saying, Lord, in a bad way. Friends, this is really, really hits home. What's another way we do this? There is good news here. There is a silver lining to all this. There will be. How else do we do this? We break this command when we speak on behalf of God when he has not spoken. This is a concept we all know well. Forgery and ID theft are basically speaking on someone's behalf who hasn't really spoken. Those of you on Twitter know this to be true. If you're in Twitter, people will make a fake and fill in the name, and they'll say funny things that person may say. Uh, A pastor friend of mine had this happen to him a few months ago. It was fake, fill in the pastor's name, and it was all these funny things that he might have said, and it was funny, but that's how we sometimes handle with God. You know, before Facebook, how many of you all remember MySpace? I'm talking to some younger folks here. MySpace? Some of you all still have your MySpace? Is it still up? I don't know. But I had a MySpace back in the day get hacked, and it got hacked and sent messages to everyone I knew from me, but I didn't send them. And the spam was sent as if I had sent them. That happens to Facebook all the time. I had a dear member of our former church uh, who's elderly and hardly uses a computer. Someone else jumped on and started typing all these things. I'm like, who's your pastor? And uh, they're like, I don't go to church. I'm like, yeah, you're fake. I'm reporting you. It just happens that way. That's how it goes. In a similar way, we speak and then say it was. You know, we do this very practically. We say, the Lord told me so. Did the Lord tell you so? Yes, but did he tell you so in Scripture is the foundation. Or I've heard some guys tell to a girl, God told me to break up with you. Well, that might be true, 
But did he actually verbally tell you, or is that the impression by the Spirit that you got? Or did you, friends, this list goes on and on and on. Did you ever tell a boss you were quitting because God was telling you to move on? Uh, Maybe. Maybe God did. Or did you do it because you were seeking after vainglory? You can see how this hits home. Friends, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to us, but I am saying we throw around that a lot just sometimes to make things a lot easier. God told me so. God told me so. Be careful with that. Be very, very careful with that. What's another way that we break this? We slap God's name on merchandise. Oh boy, we're landing the plane, aren't we? Let me put one in a negative sense and let's have a bit of fun here. Thou shalt be very careful before putting my name on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. Amen. You guys are thinking about this. T-shirts that say, Jesus is my homeboy. Air, Jesus, the ultimate high. (laughs) Come on, wasn't that Michael Jordan anyway? Or bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot. Are you following Jesus this close? I mean, think about this. Our church signs that say, stop, drop, and roll won't work in hell, and I'm stealing this from another church that I saw. I mean, friends, yes, there is some truth there, but be very careful how you associate God's name. I'm certainly being lighthearted here, but do we really want the very name of God as an advertising gimmick for the next bestseller? I mean, think about this. Or is it some of this, and I stress some of this, misrepresenting who God is? I'm poking fun at this because these are things I have done as your pastor. How's another way we break it? Number six, we use God's name lightly. I don't have to spell this one out for you necessarily. Although I'm trying to show you that it's not the only application. People stub their toe on a table. I'm not going to fill in the words. You know what they're saying, don't you? Or we blurt out a GD. People say that all the time. But of course, you're not actually asking God to send the table to hell forever, are you? I mean, think about it. Guys, you see, you see how the, and this is, I just want to take an aside and say this. Friends, I am not being, I, I'm not trying to be rough or trying to be gruff or trying to just say zingers to get zingers out there. That's not my point. As we come to the Word of God, we either submit ourselves to the Word of God or, or it submits to us. It is either what God has revealed as His final authority and we follow it or we don't. And this is what, friends, these are all things that I have done or, have, or am doing in some part. And I've had to repent of that in private this week. This stuff hits home, doesn't it? And I pray as long as we're at this church that this Bible that we say is not just a fancy book that we whip out on Sunday morning, but literally it is over every decision that we make in this church. We're not being hard for heart's sake, but we are trying to say what God says. This is the negative part of the command. Number seven, we don't worship in a way that honors God's name. We take on the name of God and then worship in a sloppy, apathetic way. Our minds wonder. We come in late. I'm not saying that's necessarily a sin, but it can distract you. We're texting. We're checking Facebook as if nothing had been done for us at all. Guilty as charged. All one of those. Check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. And then we lack the excitement and enthusiasm and worship because we're so worried about what the next person will think about our singing ability. And if you know me and I cannot sing, come up and sit with me and we will sing bad together, right? We'll do it. But in worship, we can misrepresent God by simply doing it in a way that is not glorifying or honoring to Him just by the way we handle ourselves individually. Last point. We openly live in sin after taking God's name in vain. And I want to be, uh, I'm going to use a third-party illustration. This was about a gentleman, I'll name him uh, Joe. That's not his name, but I grew up with him, and he may listen to this. I don't know. 
But Joe was a redneck dude that went to my high school. You guys, you know who I'm talking about, right? He tried his best to be the real thing. He wore the Carhartts. He wore the Wranglers. And even in the Missouri summer, he, he was never without dip in his mouth. And he had taken sandpaper to the back of his jeans so that he had the skull can ring. He had the belt buckles. He had the whole bit. And as a, as a southern wannabe in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, he always said he was a Christian. You guys know people like this? But along with the red image went a bad boy image. The boy was a hellion. He slept around. He was always drunk. He was a rebel rouser in school. These are publicly things that he said and did. I remember one time at a track practice, I said, gosh, after missing a time in the mile, I, we were trying to break a 530 mile, I think, or something like that. And, and he was over there on the shot put calling me out. He said, hey, Darren, don't you know we don't take the Lord's name in vain around here, son? I don't even think, even now, because he actually understood what he had said, we don't take the Lord's name verbally or in that way around here. Look, what he was saying is it's okay as long as you, you can live however you want to live, but don't say it verbally, Darren, and you'll be okay. Friends, we are misrepresenting God with blatant sin in our lives is also another way we take it in vain. I remember having conversation after conversation in my um, Christian life with him. You know, uh, Joe, do you know Christ? Do you know this? He came to our youth group for a while, but he continued to live that way, and I've lost contact with him. But is that how we treat the name of the Lord? It's okay to live how I want to live, but if I say the name of the Lord, you must not be a Christian. Friend, you pray for Joe, and again, I'm not using his real name. I grew up 45 minutes north of here. It could be a close connection, but you pray for him. If we misrepresent God, we live in sin even after taking God's name in vain. It's a tough thing to swallow, but it is the truth. As we move on, I, you know, I, it's very easy to think about all these things, but the last one is this. We make a bunch of rules in God's name. Some of you grew up in churches like this. We would call them legalism. We would call them legalistic rules. Think about the Pharisees. In Luke 18, they wanted to do more than the law on tithes and more than the law on fasting, but they totally missed Jesus. They totally missed Jesus right before. I would have been the classic Pharisee. Matt, Gilbert, I don't know about you guys. Usually ministry people are classic Pharisee people because we see God's word and it's boom, 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 and it should be. But often, rather than trusting in the gospel for righteousness, we live and preach the world a checklist of things to do or not do to gain God's favor. And that misrepresents God. Friends, do you see these things that we do to break the third commandment? This is the negative. When we see them in the proper framework, the weight of its commandment sits on us. Certainly, as ones who've taken on Christ's name, we want to follow him. But even if you're not a Christian, you were created to bear his image. You were created by him and for him, and in that way you take the name of God in vain when you misrepresent who God is. And suddenly, maybe you haven't done as much according to anyone else, but to God you've done it all. One sin, James 2.10, is enough to break God's law. Friends, it's almost like a forgery check. I don't know if anyone, has anyone ever here had that happen to him, or someone has forgery or forged a check in your name? Forgery is a form of unauthorized use <clears throat> Excuse me, of someone's name. It's signing an unapproved document. It's caused by a name written on a piece of paper when the actual person behind the name can't be consulted or make that signature. A person convicted of forgery can spend up to a year in jail or, or more, depending on the severity of the offense. And this is why businesses trademark their names. 
Gilbert, I saw on your Facebook feed or somewhere this week that someone had taken Missouri Western's image, I think a fraternity, taken Missouri Western's image and started selling t-shirts with that without authorization from Missouri Western. There's a whole uh, crazy thing going on with that. A business trademarks their name for a reason. That is their business mark. And any person or business that wants to use it must be first licensed to do so. And Christian, in the same way, let's remember that God's name has been licensed us as Christians to use it in the way it's proper because he is the Lord our God. That's the longest point. But his license doesn't come without restriction. His name can't be used in vain. So can we be saved from this if, if we've broken this? Can we be saved from this? I mean, these commands have negatives and positives, don't they? They have negative consequences and they have positive affirmations. And that's what I want to focus on now. Friends, again, I don't come as one person trying to beat you over the head. If the Spirit is moving in your heart, you need to respond to that. But I do come as one who wants to know what God says because, friends, in these days that we are living, and I'm talking especially in, the, in this next six weeks of before November 8th in our election time, churches that are all about fizzle and fazzle and, and sparks and all these fireworks are not going to be where people want to be. The churches that are going to stand in the gap for this country are churches that are doing prayerfully what we are trying to do each week. Share God's word, pray God's word, worship in a God-honoring way. Because friends, look, when life meets you head on, you don't want another, you don't want another firework or be excited into, into worship. You want to worship God for who he is and live in a way that's not vain, that's not vainglorious as some have done. So can you be saved from this? Yes, you can. And the reason is Jesus Christ. Friend, Christ is the person in history who lived up to the name of God that God gave him. Jesus did the justice to the name of Christian because he never took the name of God in vain. Christian, never forget your Savior was sinless. Your Savior lived perfectly where you could not. He fulfilled the law where you fell short. He completely took on the wrath of God as we just sang about for you and for his glory. Even at the point of death, the question was still swirling on what name should be attached to Jesus. Matthew 26, 64, they asked Jesus, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And even to the point of death, he owned that name and lived it up to the point of death. Christian, that's why the application point here for you is just simply this. At the cross, Jesus bought his chosen bride, the church, at the cost of his own life. And not a drop of blood was shed in vain. That is how you can be rescued from breaking this third commandment. Because, folks, the reality is you are going to do many more on that list or much more, and you will break it. But praise God, there is forgiveness. Praise God that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Jesus came to live the life you couldn't live and die the death you couldn't die. He absorbed in himself the wrath of God that should be on your head and mine for sinning against him. He took on himself the, ca- the, the cause of justice that God the Father demanded. And God said in Genesis two seventeen that the one who sins would die, and God can't lie or break his word. But Christ died, the curse has been satisfied, and justice has been served. So Christian, it is possible for you now not to live a vainglorious life as so many do. It is possible for you to live a life pleasing to God, even though your flesh rails against everything in you. Christ did not shed one drop of vain glory. This is why we believe, church, and be reminded of this heartwarming fact that when Christ died, it was sufficient. It was satisfactory. It was substitutionary. It was everything that we need right there in Christ's death. We don't have 
to, uh, to do penance or, 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 as the Muslims say, do the five pillars. We don't have to do those things to inherit or keep our salvation. Christian, you are saved perfectly by Christ when you repented of your sin and believed in Him and Him alone. On the cross, Jesus wore my name so I could wear His On that cross, he wore the name guilty, sinner, condemned, third commandment breaker, all commandment breaker, so that I could wear the guiltless name, his perfect righteousness. He was guiltless, died as guilty, so that I, the true guilty, could live guiltless. That is the great news of Christianity. Do you see that irony, though? Jesus died because of the name he claimed, yet in the end, because he was right, in that very name we now claim so that we won't face eternal death. What an irony it is. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for visiting with us. But friends, maybe you realize that a guiltless man was held guilty so that by being guilty, you could be guiltless. That is the truth. Christian or non-Christian friend, there's no amount of good works you can do. Even if you kept all these commandments, we will study until the Sunday before or after Thanksgiving. It will never be enough. Even if you tried to be like that man in Matthew chapter 19, we've talked about him before a few weeks ago. The rich young ruler in another spot of the gospel is an older man. They came to Jesus and they said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus tell him? Keep the commandments. And Jesus and the the man being very proud said, well, I've kept those since I was a boy. And Jesus said what, folks? He said, go and sell everything and you can be my disciple and you will have eternal life. And what did the man do? He went away sad, didn't he? Because at that point, he knew he could not do it. If you're not a Christian here today, can I encourage you that the answer is found in Christ. The answer is found in Christ. Will you accept that message today? Christian, you realize I do this stuff. You realize maybe something that happened today. So what is the answer for you? What's the positive answer for you? Do we make a list? I won't use his name lightly. I won't put a weird bumper sticker on my car. But friends, the answer isn't a list. The answer is do we just man up and stop or cowboy girl up, whatever that is? The answer isn't just to stop. These commandments show you what your heart is like before the Lord, and that is in this world we are prone to wander and wonder. The answer is we must recognize, once again, friends, the greatness that is in the name of God. That is, it speaks salvation over us, it speaks love, it speaks mercy, it speaks great. Seeing that puts us on the path of sanctification by God's grace. And it's not taking his name in vain, but rather living in reverence and honor to it. Friends, I pray this week that as you look at and ask yourself, Lord, what is some way that by your grace, through your church and your spirit, all the factors that will shape me, that I can live a more glorious life for you? That is the prayer I ask you to take with us as we pray.